Welcome to the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brenninger, and in this episode, I'll be covering Take Me With You from the Purple Rain album. Joining me to talk about the lyrics to Take Me With You, first-time podcast guest, Julian Long. Welcome to the show, Julian. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Jason. You're welcome. I'm excited to have a, a new guest on my show. And yes, since it is, awesome. Yeah, it is. It is. And since you're new to the show... I thought uh, it would be a great time to provide maybe a brief history about your connection to Prince and just kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, if you don't mind. Sure, no worries. Um, okay, so my int- this is like, uh, what's that movie, Brown Sugar? Uh, when did you first fall in love with hip-hop? Um, <laughs> my first real introduction to Prince was through my cousin Damon, who, um, for as long as he lived, was an avid, uh, almost rabid Prince fan. But uh, I, I literally first heard Prince at church. Uh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, the one of the youth ministers, and she was uh, a young adult herself, um, just maybe, maybe just 20 years old, was um, playing a little bit of, what's the song on Purple Rain where at the end, he starts, It's it plays music back, it plays the Darling backwards. Nikki. Darling Nikki. Okay, so she didn't play all of Darling Nikki, she played the end, but that was a mistake, and uh, one of the deaconesses heard, you know, the context of what she was playing, and had a fit, and um, all of a sudden, you know, and you can be bringing this into the church house, and da-da-da-da-da, and so... Prince was now this mystical figure that I needed to understand better because suddenly he wasn't allowed and I needed to know why. Yeah. And I wanted to know what it was she was trying to share with us because it was obviously really important to her that we hear it. Um, and so I, I was fascinated by the idea of this this man. And then uh, we were on a, a, a trip, a choir trip, and I'm trying to think, she uh, she must have had the album like a couple of weeks before the movie dropped, because the movie came out and everybody who was of age in the youth group all went out to see Purple Rain. And I wanted to go because it was that guy that people mm-hmm. were talking about. And I wanted to know who he was and I wanted to see what this was about. And there was so much excitement around him. And I was not allowed to go. Um, my mom, you know, absolutely not. You're going to stay here in the room. And I was furious and I was heartbroken. And my friend Montez, who was close in age to me, I think he was maybe a year older, did get to go because his his cousin, his older cousin, Chucky, who was responsible for watching him, he went and took Montez with him. And I found out there were boobies in the movie. And <laughs> I didn't get to see those, so I was just son of a bitch, right? <laughs> yeah, I was just I was. This was this was this was all terrible for me. So it was later in, uh, you know, maybe later that year or the following year that my cousin Damon, who was my favorite cousin, took me under his wing, and he heard me singing something. I don't remember what song it was, but I'd finally heard some of the music on the radio, and he was like, "Wait a minute, you like Prince?" And I was like, "Yeah, I like Prince." And he blew my mind with how much Prince knowledge he had and and played, you know, parts of 1999 for me and acceptable parts of Dirty Mind, um, of which there are a few. But it just really opened up my head. And and that was it. I was I was a Prince fan. Um, He had some maybe a year or two years after that. 
he had some, I don't think it was Sign of the Times, but it might have been. But he had a concert video that was incredibly hard to get your hands on. And he played that for me. And it was watching that. No, it couldn't have been Sign of the Times because in that video, Prince performed Darling Nikki. And that was when I finally understood something about seeing Prince perform that live really made me understand why darling Nikki was a problem for so many, for so many people. Yeah. Um, and it might've been, it might've been that Syracuse concert that had been bootlegged to death for years and years in the eighties. It Maybe. probably was. It probably was. I really can't remember, but I remembered, I remembered that um, my cousin was mad because in that version, Prince altered the lyric. And so instead of, um, I looked all over and all I found was a phone number on the stair. Prince said in that one, I looked all over and all I found was a pair of panties on the stair. And Damon was like, he couldn't stand that because it was so overt. He thought that that was, un it, it took something away from the song and that it was playing too much to the crowd to try to try and be cool but loved it nonetheless. And it was just, it was again, like little notions like that. Cause I probably would have missed it. I was still, you know, it's kind of a dumb kid. I probably would have missed it, but it was little notions like that, that helped me understand the importance of lyric and how even changing it for a live performance is going to affect people. It's going to affect people's relationship with the song, which is particularly true. You know, uh, of, of this song of take me with you um some of the live perform i don't particularly care for for this song live but it is one of my favorite songs in its recorded form um they they occur for me as two different songs live versions of this song occur for me as a completely different feel a completely different attitude and, and tone versus the version that you know we all came to know and, and presumably love on the album cut mm -hmm. so purple rain was the era that you really kind of got started with That's I, I i came in with everybody else <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i i i barely came in before purple rain i mean i had heard little red corvette 1999 delirious i was big fans of those songs on the radio but it like a lot of people you know prince was making cool music but purple rain was a different beast altogether i mean it was right. just world dominating and it was inescapable so yeah not surprising not surprising and that's uh, the thing like i had heard little red corvette i didn't know it was this guy that yeah. was the thing like before there was prince music and suddenly with purple rain there was prince the phenomenon the the iconic figure yeah. um and and it it really it's you know it's kind of like a, a a face to put to the name I had heard the name, but he wasn't anybody. You know, this was this was the era of Michael Jackson. There was that guy, but there was nobody who was as big uh, an icon who had as much of a face as Michael Jackson did until Prince. Yeah, and the image that he was putting out at the time was really striking as well. Right. You know, I mean, the, the When Doves Cry music video with him crawling out of the bathtub, a very striking image very hard to to forget that right um you got it, it was got a curious the, pose that that he struck along with those animals <laughs> yes yes you had the clothes you had the look the you had the music the style i mean he was creating his own kind of 
um, musical revolution movement or whatever you want to call it, uh, Minneapolis uh, Sound was all of a sudden being heard everywhere by by people who had no affiliation with Prince because it was it was popular and it was distinctive and they wanted in on that. Right. He was doing his thing, but everybody was gravitating towards his thing at the time. Yeah, so take me with you. That's what we're here to talk about. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get started going through the lyrics. Um, this was, in the United States at least, it was the fifth and final single from the Purple Rain soundtrack. It was released in January of 85, so, you know, good, at least a good seven, eight months after When Doves Cry. So, you know, the, the music from the soundtrack had been filling the airwaves and filling MTV for almost a year by the time this song was kind of reaching its its peak on the charts in early 85. The Purple Rain concert, the tour, was still in full swing in early 85 when the song was released as a single. It was the only one, the only single from this album that did not make the top 10 after two number one hits and, and a couple other top 10 hits. This one didn't quite reach the same peak as all the rest of the singles from the album, but it's a it's a really important song for the movie. I don't know if you agree with that, but if you're watching Absolutely. the movie, when this song comes on, it's it's a a very classic, iconic scene in the movie is soundtracked to this song. Right. It's it's that scene where anybody who's seen it, the movie knows what I'm talking about. It's Prince taking Apollonia away on, on his motorcycle. Ride. Yeah. On his way out into the country just to escape, you know, city life and and show her kind of who a little bit of who he is, because at this point in the movie, they're still trying to develop that relationship. And that's I kind of get a little bit of or a lot, not just a little, a lot of what this song is about is is a as a budding relationship and a budding attraction. Definitely. One of the things, too, that I love about how it occurs in the film and and the sort of overall sonics of, of this song is that it sounds it sounds a little montage. And what I mean by that is it's got this light, uh, sunny, upbeat feel to it that reminds me of scenes from like Barefoot in the Park or Love Story. Like it has a little bit of this is the part where we frolic. Mm -hmm. And so it being set to that in the, in the film is so perfect. Like it just has, it, it's, it's exactly the right kind of scene for that. And it's such a break from the, you know, the very, the smoky flashing lights club look and the sort of mildly aggressive streetiness of some of the other scenes to see them, you know, like you said, it's a classic scene to see them, in the grass, you know, mm -hmm. driving along the countryside and just having a bright, sunny moment. Um, and you don't really get too much of sunshine in the in the rock star narrative, um, which which is one of the things that makes this song stand out for me. Also, its placement on the album kind of it, it's a it's a really interesting juxtaposition coming right after Let's Go Crazy and where that song leaves you. I mean, even even the titles, kind of the way they balance together, like "Let's Go Crazy." Well, if we're going, take me with you. Um, we'll mm -hmm. we'll we'll go there together. And 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 kind of the the high energy that "Let's Go Crazy" drops you off at the, the the way that "Take Me With You" comes in with even since I was a kid, it always occurred for me as falling down the stairs. 
the way the drums come in. And it's like it's like falling downstairs and then you hit a landing and then you fall some more and then you hit a landing. And when I got older and this song started to mean more to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is tumbling. This is this is falling down, um, kind of like falling in love. Like there you you're you kind of lost control over just kind of head over heels. And then and you're kind of waiting to get caught. And then this music comes in with with the synths that remind me of do you remember Days of Our Lives? It's an old soap opera. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm familiar. So the opening notes of Days of Our Lives, it's 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 meant to be sort of a TikTok sound. It's boom, 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 boom. And and they're showing a, an hourglass and the sort of the dun, 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 dun. it always reminded me for some reason of days of our lives it had a little bit of something was soap opera ish about it but yeah, something super dramatic it's it's very dramatic it's a very it dramatic really movie. is it, it's like it's building to something especially after that tumble that you take um and it, it also feels a little dreamy and a little disorienting or disoriented until the music suddenly picks up with this happy bum 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 and it's like okay now now we're strolling along like we had a fall we're a little dizzy a little disoriented not quite sure where we are something's building up but now we've hit our stride and then we get into these these wonderful wonderfully simple lyrics yeah the the music on take me with you i think most would probably agree that the music is more interesting than what the song is trying to say maybe uh we can we'll talk about that here in a minute but for me, this song has always been more interesting musically. I love the opening guitar, or I mean, the opening drum solo. Uh, it's like I mentioned, it's super dramatic. It's it just it's very jarring after the the guitar heavy ending of "Let's Go Crazy." And then you get this this drum, and the way that it stops, starts, stops, starts is it's super intense and dramatic, and I love it. And then you've got those finger symbols, and the finger symbols make this song yes. also very memorable. And Prince was super into finger symbols in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is when he was recording Around the World in a Day shortly. You know, I mean, he was just couldn't, like, okay, I'm done with Purple Rain. The movie's finished. I've got all the songs recorded. On to the next thing. Even though the album and the movie hadn't even come out yet. He's like, okay, on to the next. Right. And the next was, of course, Around the World in a Day. And... I mean, there's a ton of finger symbols in that on that record. And Take Me With You was the second to last song recorded for the album. When Doves Cry is famously known as the last song recorded. It was kind of like an afterthought. And Take Me With You kind of was too. Because both to of be those songs. Song, right? Like on her album. Yes, it was it was meant for it was originally meant for the Apollonia Six album, which explains, you know, why Apollonia's on the song. For, for multiple reasons. One, because it was supposed to be featured on her album and not, not a Prince album, Prince and the Revolution album. And secondly, you know, obviously as the star of the movie, it makes complete sense to have a duet between Prince and Apollonia on a song featured in the movie that stars Prince and Apollonia. Right. So, I mean, it, it was just, it made sense. And when they decided it was, this song was important to be included in the movie and probably after they started doing some editing of of the film and trying to figure out what needs to go over these scenes of Prince and Apollonia frolicking and driving around in the countryside, you're not gonna you're not gonna soundtrack a scene like that with 
the beautiful ones or computer i mean all those songs were already meant for first avenue scenes right what are you going to put there you got to put something because every other song besides take me with you and uh when doves cry were performed and filmed as you know first ave scenes by the the kid and his in the revolution so they had to do something and um this made sense so it was it was the right call to to take it off of apollonia's album sorry apollonia but it was was the right call to put it on purple rain in my opinion absolutely and and for her you know for her sake honestly it's probably got not probably definitely got far more exposure as a part of purple rain than it ever would have as a single off of an apollonia six album so sure yeah so that was that was better for her overall so you you spoke to one of the things that I said um, earlier about why this song occurs for me differently in the album version than it does when when I hear it live or or any other uh, variation on it, and that is because um, it's because it's a duet. When you hear Prince perform it live, he often performs you know both the parts, and it makes the song occur. I mean, realistically speaking, we know Prince wrote the song, and so him writing the song, it's. Even if Apollonia had performed it and had been on her album, it was, for all intents and purposes, going to sound like a love song to him. Like the way the way it occurs for me when I hear it is, and again, the the movie might be adding the context to the song. Uh, it, it's kind of hard. It's kind of chicken in the egg at this point. But the way it occurs for me when I hear it is this bright-eyed ingenue who is falling head over heels in love with this burgeoning rock god. And him also being smitten with her. And it lends a softness to it and uh, an ease to it that I find so much more appealing than when he performs it live, when he's singing both of the parts and he'll he'll ad lib little things like it's in your eyes, mama. What can I say? And it, it, it just takes a little something away from it to me. It, it also it tends to be sped up a little bit. It feels a little bit more masculine, aggressive here the way that we hear it in the album it's got uh, a softness and a femininity to it that makes it light and and kind of gives you room to breathe after this really high energy place that you went with let's go crazy and um and and i really like that i like the exchange i like the interplay i like it so much better as this duet between people figuring each other out and, and figuring out how they feel about each other. It's to me, it, it, it occurs as a song about not love. People like to talk about it as a song about love. I don't think it's that. I think it's, I think it's a little bit before you get to love. It's, it's that exhilarating uh, infatuation mm-hmm. when you're not quite sure where you are with, with, with this. I don't know what I, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know what it is about you, but I just, ah, I just need to be near you. I need to be with you. And now I'm really starting to get into the lyrics. So I'm going to shut up so we can, so we can do the official deep dive into the lyrics. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's a great, a great segue into that conversation because I would have just kept going and, and um, adding more onto your comment because I feel the same way. This isn't a love song necessarily as it is more about that, that primal um, feeling when you're just instantly attracted to somebody and having that, initial feeling they don't know if they love each other i mean it's really it really parallels the film because throughout most of that film those two are still just trying to figure them each other out you know just trying to feel around and figure out if they're 
men for each other, if they can, if they're even compatible, which for most of the film, they're not. Right. (laughs) And so it's, but they're, but they're drawn to each other. They're just, they're just drawn to each other for, you know, whatever reason. And that's the song that I feel like is trying to express that, that same feeling that you get watching the kid and Apollonia in the film navigate their, their infatuation with each other. Um, because a lot of the lyrics are meant for that, meant for that to, to kind of drive that feeling home. So let's go through it. So the first verse goes, I can't disguise the pounding of my heart. It beats so strong. It's in your eyes. What can I say? They turn me on. And so uh, just to kind of make it clear to anybody who's listening, like a lot of duets, you'll get one person's voice and then you get another person's voice and they might come together for the chorus. This is an interesting song because for the most part, not the entire song, but for the most part, it's the two of them singing um, simultaneously. Right. In this first verse is the two of them singing simultaneously. And yeah, so I can't disguise the pounding of my heart. It beats so strong. It's in your eyes. What can I say? They turn me on. So that, that to me, that is expressing the same thoughts that you and I have already been putting out there about it being, you know, you get that, you get that animation of, when Bugs Bunny or whoever sees somebody that's <laughs> yes. attracted to them, they get that heart the literal heart out of their chest. Of chest. That, yeah. That super animated and exaggerated expression of instant attraction. And that's what I get a lot from like these first couple of lines. Totally. And I think like it's the 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 heart pounding part of it, the the actual literal physical feeling of that, the the exhilaration that you get where you're, you're you feel the palpitations, your heart beats faster. It's a very physical reaction to an emotional feeling. And the feeling of vulnerability and being exposed, it, it opens with kind of all bets are off. It's all on the table. I can't disguise it. I can't it's 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 there. I know it, you know it. And that um, that that sort of theme of the obviousness of the attraction and the obviousness of the intensity plays out in some of the other lyrics. And later on, he's going to say, uh, "We want each other all so much. Why must we play this game?" And it's the same thing. It's like I can't disguise it. We're playing these games. It none none of this even matters. I want you. It's delightful in the innocence of it. Um, especially coming from an artist as notably raunchy as Prince, um, right. from a man who could make an entire album called Dirty Mind and who who brought us controversy, to see this playful expression of attraction. It's in your eyes, what can I say, they turn me on, always occurred for me, even you know when I, when I was young and I finally heard it, it always occurred for me as specifically her talking about his eyes. I knew it could be the other way around, but Prince had these like ridiculous, undeniably draw you in eyes, especially when he was in full mascara from the 80s. And so (laughs) 
even though and, and I think there's something to be said about the production work there because even though they're singing together, it feels um, it feels a little bit more it leans more to the higher end, so it feels more like her. And then you know when we get to the verses that are more him, it gets a little bit heavier. So I always, even though I can hear his voice saying it too, I'm like, nope, we're all talking about Prince's eyes. We all know it. Yeah, and that is that is one technique that might have been used for this song. I mean, I don't think it's any secret. Apollonia has never been known to be the you know an amazing vocalist from you know from a technical standpoint. Right. She can hold her own. I mean, whatever, that's fine. But from a technical standpoint, I think that that is pretty common knowledge and accepted at this point. No offense, Apollonia. So for to her, so I can see it like this. If this first verse was intended maybe to be more of an Apollonia verse, but then also, you know, Prince putting his vocals underneath. And and there's been obviously rumors about other female vocalists also accentuating the saying, uh, Staying to fill her to fill out her parts too. Yeah, that has also been that has also been documented as well. So uh, you bring up a, a good point about potentially like maybe even though they, they're singing together in this first verse, they put her vocals maybe a little higher in the mix to make it sound like it's more Apollonia singing it to to the kid or Prince to kind of to bring home the point about the eyes. I mean, you see, you see the photo of the eyes on the purple rain uh, jacket. I mean, right. the video for Windows Cry. So eyes have always been, at least a part of this project, an important aspect, an important visual cue. And then when we get to verse two, it's just Prince. So it kind of makes sense that it follows more traditional duet patterns of one person singing, the next person singing verses, but they just didn't leave it that way because maybe. They wanted a little more vocal oomph underneath that, right. and Prince could provide that clearly. All right, so the chorus is, is you know pretty brief, just a few lines. I don't care where we go, I don't care what we do, I don't care, pretty baby, just take me with you. And once again, for me, the chorus is really just talking about how this is such a an infatuation this is such a an instant attraction that you're just putting throwing caution to the wind right and essentially saying at this point i don't i don't really care what it is that you are going to ask of me or even you know talk about what where we're going to go what we're going to do because it it doesn't matter i just want to be with you at this point um wherever that wherever that is and whatever we do it's the important part is just being close to you being near you being able to be with you in whatever moment we choose to um to engage in yes the the thing that i think is important about that everything you said yes and the thing that i think is important about that is that it's absolute surrender because it's they're not saying let's go together not let's let's do the, i don't care where we go i don't care what we do i don't care pretty baby as long as we're together is a very different concept than I don't care, pretty baby, just take me with you. Whatever you're doing, like you lead, you go, I'm going to follow because that's how into you I am. You could, and and, and I think that that is, it, it, it makes, again, with the sort of the contribution of the visuals of the film, it makes so much more sense that they're on a motorcycle ride. On a motorcycle, there's very clearly, I mean, even in a car, you know, there's a driver and there's a passenger, but they're sort of on equal 
footing, right? They're, they're side by side. On a motorcycle, one person is behind the other. One person is holding on to the other. One person is absolutely dependent on, on the driver. And so the idea of take me with you and, and how it occurs both lyrically and visually is at once complete surrender and dependency and also freedom. Because there's the sort of the, the, you know, cast your cares into the wind, hands in the air, even the, the visual freedom of, of being on a motorcycle versus being in a car. All of those things communicate freedom. But at the same time, the lyrics are saying, you lead, I'll follow. Mm-hmm. I'm yours. Take me with you. And that's I, I, I love that distinction. I love the there's. There's so much trust in that and so much innocence in that. And again, it just kind of brings it to this place of of sweetness that makes this song really resonate for me. Yeah. And if you think back to the movie, because you just really can't talk about the song without talking about its place in the film, as we've done many times and will continue to do, I'm sure. Right. This, this scene, I mean, at this point in the movie, Apollonia doesn't really know the kid at all. Mm. Uh, They've had very few interactions. She met him at the club. They barely spoke together in the club, but she was there was that magnetic appeal of him the moment she saw him. And then they have that exchange in the mall. And then the, that's what leads to this, the scene. And that, that mall scene, he's, you know, being... That there on your boot. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's it's playful, but he's also kind of being very aloof and, and difficult, but... At this point, she has completely surrendered. She's mm-hmm. t- she's jumping on the back of this guy's motorcycle that she barely knows. Uh, she, I doubt she's taking her out to the woods. <laughs> by exactly, the exactly. I mean, it's it's very it's a it's a very questionable decision on Apollonia's part to do that, but she just can't help it. it she just right. can't help it, and um, that's what that's why this song and these lyrics make so much sense in the context of the film. But even if you take it away, like let's say the song never was a, a song that was soundtrack to the film, you can still get what we're talking about. You still understand the the, the point that's being made oh, yeah. here about it just being that instant attraction. And I'm I'm going to surrender, as you mentioned, surrender myself to to this feeling and run with it. Just go with it. All right, so let's uh, move on then to the second verse. touch the place in me that's calling out your name we want each other oh so much why must we play this game so second verse is is prince it's really just prince i couldn't really hear any other vocalist behind him Uh, right so i feel like this is just prince's verse it's intended for him just to be singing to apollonia as opposed to the first verse so if you think of it from that perspective julian what do you what do you see in this verse Anything different from this verse, knowing that it's more Prince singing it to Apollonia? It's, yeah, for me, this has a different kind of vulnerability. And 
tracking it back to the film, thinking about it as the kid singing it and how many walls the kid kind of has up, but how underneath all of that, he really was this vulnerable, needy character that as much as he was playing aloof needed to be reached. It makes so much sense that this would be what he says. This could very easily have been, well, one, this could very easily have been made Apollonia's verse, in which case it would have taken an immediate sexual connotation, right? Uh, Touch the place in me that's calling out your name, sung, you know, in a breathy voice by a woman is going to take on a very different, uh, a very different tone and sensuality than coming from this sort of vulnerable, aloof artist type as, as the kid um, to this woman that he's also inexplicably drawn to, you know, it does turn that corner a little bit when we get to, we want each other. Oh, so much. Why must we play this game? But what I hear in that even is a little bit of frustration. It's, it's not, it, it or, or not, not just frustration, impatience. It's like, it's that 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 sense of urgency. It's like I'm trying to hold back and I'm trying to hold on and I'm trying to hold this wall up and I'm trying to hold myself together. But really, I want you to break this wall down. I really want you to reach me and allow me to be free. So we have like one verse that's, you know, the sort of com- or not one verse like the hook, which is this sort of uh, testimony to surrender. And in this part, we've got Prince asking for somebody to almost give him permission to surrender, which I think fits his character and fits the character he plays in the film. And I think, I think it fits the character that we perceive him as, you know, the, the sort of everybody has a prince that they made up in their heads and we all kind of have this, some certain shared threads. And I think we all sort of perceive, I I might be speaking out of turn, but I think most of us perceive Prince as having this sort of, untouchable quality that he always wanted somebody to reach but there weren't enough geniuses in the world to be able to touch it who also had the emotional IQ to do it so there was a part of him that never got reached I, I agree with you that for the, especially for those of us who came on to Prince in this time and maybe weren't able to differentiate the kid from Prince because mm-hmm. of his connection to the film was so so deep and and the way he kind of blew up from this movie in this role they became one and the same in many for for many of us right and we all just kind of assumed prince was like the kid you know like it's this hyper perfectionist control freak uh didn't like to let anybody into his you know personal world his personal space emotionally and this this verse talking about touch the place in me that's calling out your name yeah i mean you bring up a really good point where coming from a, from the kid's point of view this has a different it comes across a very different way it comes across super vulnerable and it, it does it's less sexual than it could have been by sung by a different person by and sung in a different way right and I really like that because this scene, this well, the movie in in his role as the kid is all about him, or a lot of it is about him, you know, kind of breaking out of his emotional shell and getting past a lot of his demons to be a human being, you know, because mm-hmm. he's he's an he's an asshole in most of the film, and everybody kind of recognizes that, 
he's a complete asshole. And a lot of that is because of his family life and just the walls he built up, as you mentioned. And Apollonius' character in the film is meant to, to kind of chip away at, at this this veneer that he's created and this um, his inability to really feel true emotion or what we believe that he's unable to do because of what we're shown in the film. And the whole cat and mouse, I mean, the, a lot of the movie, they just, they're this whole cat and mouse dynamic between the two of them. Like, I want you, I want you, I want you, and I'm going to piss you off, or you're going to piss me off. And so then we, we fight, and then we get back together, and then we fight. So they're playing a game in the film, even though they both want each other so much, as it's mentioned in this verse. And it's just... I mean, this wasn't written for the movie, which is so... It's crazy how much it tells the story of it, right? Yes. So either he was writing it when the movie was filming and it just, you know, that permeated his creativity and his creative process, knowing this was happening in the film and he was reading the scripts and he was acting. And so it was just like, it just became that way because of what he was doing at the time. But it wasn't intended for the film at all. I mean, that all all indications were this was kind of an afterthought, an afterthought song for for the album. Yeah, it's crazy how brilliantly it it fits in. And I think, I mean, so much of what he does though is, and what he what he does musically ends up being intertwined. And you see themes being revisited and stories being retold, like albums later. Even earlier, when you were talking about how he was really into finger symbols. Uh, you know, during this phase, I was like, oh, yeah. And also on the symbol album, um, you know, the era of seven, we hear all these things. So it's like this, this stuff, there's, there's something, there's something living about the stories that are being told in most of his songs, where you're going to see it again, it's going to come up or, or connect some other kind of way. And that's why I love doing stuff like this, where we get to, you know, kind of break it down and chop it up is in this unpacking, I'm going to go and listen to some more songs and start hearing things that we've talked about now played elsewhere. It just, they connect. Yeah. It's impossible to think that as brilliant as he was as a musician and an artist, he was making music for almost 40 years. I mean, there's going to be some repeating of topics, repeating of, of, of thoughts and themes. He might've put them down for a decade, but right. <laughs> it's going to come back because he's now 10 years older and he's in a different place in his life. So maybe that theme has a different meaning to him personally. So it feels like it's brand new to him now. So it's, yeah, it's, you can't, as brilliant as he is, you, there's no way an artist making music, making albums literally almost every single year of his life is going to have absolutely 100% original themes for every single song moving forward. It's just impossible. Right. And plus he has the habit of making something during one period and saying, no, it's not right for this. Yeah. And then picking it up, you know, eight albums later and exactly. saying, no, I'm going to put it on this one now. And so the connections are, are quite literal because it was like, oh, well, it was originally supposed to have come out, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, it took him 10 years to, to finish that thought. <laughs> 10 you know, years to 10 years for... he liked it enough. Yeah, until he liked it. That's usually what it was. That's what I think. He finally grew to like that song enough that he could put it out there for us. I think, thank God, Prince was a musician and not a chef, or we would have been starved. Like, <laughs> you'd go to his restaurant and you'd just be waiting and waiting and be like, sorry, the chef just does not like this version of the bouillabaisse. It'll be another <laughs> three hours. 
Yeah. <laughs> but everybody tells you that it's genius food, so you wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good thing, right? <laughs> okay, so then the chorus again is the same, so we don't need to go through the chorus. Right. Well, wait. Actually, I have a question for you about the chorus, because there's something that I noticed. And I wonder yeah. if, if it means anything to you. Yeah. So the first time... The first time he says, I don't care where we go. I don't care what we do. The second time, it's truncated a little, little bit. It's don't care where we go. I don't care what we do. And to me, and I, I, I only literally picked this up um, in the last two weeks when I started spending more time with the song again. Um, it only occurred for me that they truncate it and shorten it a little bit and that that adds a little bit more a little bit more urgency and a little bit more aggressiveness. I wonder, did you notice that or catch that? I didn't. <laughs> it's a thing, man. Yeah, li listen to the next time you listen to it. Like, there's something about there's something to me different about I don't care versus don't care. Don't care is almost with a wave of a hand, like a it don't care almost says fuck it versus yes. I don't care, which is more like I'm not concerned with. And when I when I heard that, I was like, oh wow, that that subtle change makes a difference in how it feels. Ah, okay. Okay. You you definitely have got me intrigued now. I listened I literally listened to the song like four times consecutively before we jumped on the Skype call together. <laughs> and I didn't pick it up any of those times. So check it out. Unless unless there's a short in my headphones and I missed it, but check it out. It 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 feels different when you hear it. Well, I'm listening to it in my head, you know, because if you hear a song yes. enough times, <laughs> you can just recreate it um, verbatim in, in your brain. And you're right. I, I mean, the, What I'm hearing in my head is don't care where we go, don't care what we do. So, yeah. And it I always just something. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a difference in how it was sung. I always thought it was basically sung that way in both versions of the chorus. But you're saying the second time they sing it. It's not as, it's, it's shortened, like he said, truncated, so. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so then the bridge is sung by the both of them, but once again, I think the female voice comes through louder and clearer in, Absolutely. in the bridge. Yeah, this is this is the part where it feels like Apollonia's song for a minute. Yeah. I don't care if we spend the night at your mansion. I don't care if we spend the night on the town. All I want is to spend the night together. All I want is to spend the night in your arms. So it's more of I don't care. First right. two lines in that is more of I don't care. Um, basically, just kind of reiterating parts of the chorus, but just extending that out to specific things. Like, I don't care if we go to your mansion. And I have to mention mansion again, because I don't know what it was about Prince and Mansion, or not just then. I mean, White Mansion from uh, Emancipation. So these mm -hmm. mansions, these these references to mansions keep popping up periodically in Prince songs. And I find it intriguing. I don't know what it was about that. I don't know if it was like just about the status of owning a mansion or, you know, what that, what that um, implies about somebody's social status or, or if it was just slang. I mean, was it just slang? 
Because, you know, people say crib now. Yeah, it never occurred for me as slang. It always... So, when when I talked about it earlier, I said it the song feels for me like a young ingenue singing to a burgeoning rock god. This is this was that to me. This is this this break this bridge is the part where I really hear her fascination and infatuation with this guy whose life she doesn't know. So we're in the imaginary world of what of who she thinks he is. He's this guy who has figuratively and literally in the context of the film swept her off her feet. He probably has a you know, he's a rock star. So he rocks, you know, rock stars have mansions and they can take you out to all sorts of fancy things. And they can you know, they have these these big lives, these outsized lives. And what she's saying is essentially you don't have to do any of that like i i I assume this is who you are i assume that that's that that that's a part of it and i know in the context of the film you know it's first avenue and it was a club where locals played and all of that but he's so much bigger than that even in even in that context he occurs as a young rock god he's like he's 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 like like icarus sort of a young god in training and and we're just curious as to how long those wings are going to hold out and so when when she's saying this, even though, you know, you can hear him and, and Lisa underneath saying it, too, it's more of that surrender into the moment. Like, you don't have to be any of that. I know you could, but you don't have to. All I want is to spend the night together. All I want is to spend the night in your arms. I just want to. This is this is, again, that purity that I want to be with you and all that other stuff is cool, but it's, it's irrelevant. But the 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 use of mansion there to me, I felt was was also Prince very deliberately putting a status as to who he was, whether or not he had a mansion yet by then. And I don't think he did. I think he had that house that was it was a big house that's across the the way from where Paisley Park is now. Yeah, The Kiowa Trail home. Right. I think that's what he had, which is a big house, but it wasn't mansion like. No. Um. But I think I think he was kind of cementing that. And it's kind of funny because earlier in the intro, I was telling you about how my cousin Damon played uh, this this concert video for me that really blew my mind. One of the things Prince said in that was um, it was during one of the breaks when he's talking to the audience and he says, I'd love to take you to my house, but it's a purple house. And everybody goes nuts about his house and the fact that it's a purple house. And I'm like, is that the mansion? It must be the mansion. Clearly, he's talking. <laughs> Clearly, this is the mansion where where he was going to take everybody back to. And I don't know. I feel like he he probably did have an obsession to a certain extent with the grandness of homes and and having, you know, when when you take the um, the Paisley Park tour, they talk to you about how Prince loved having people gather there. And he had this kitchen area and it was like this gathering place and he wanted everybody there all the time, um, except for when he was creating. But he would constantly bring people in to just eat and kick it and have fun. I think I think there is if if that's who he was as a person, then it makes sense that through his music, he's going to talk about having a house big enough to accommodate that kind of desire. Yeah, yeah. And to kind of. um continue on in that, that that path talking about mansions and what it meant to maybe to prince this is my 
this is the first example, I think. So if we're, if we're going to run with the idea that because Apollonia's voice is so much higher in the mix in the bridge and she's singing it so much louder than Prince, this is really kind of her singing it to him. Uh, this is really the first instance that I can think of where he's the owner of the mansion or that we're, we're intending, he's intending it to mm-hmm. be sound that way because the previous mentions of mansion have been him being taken to a mansion by the woman. Like in Lady Cab Driver, he mentions, take me to your mansion. He's telling this yeah. Lady Cab Driver to take him to her mansion. He doesn't say the word mansion in Little Red Corvette, but you kind of get like this, these visions of this woman living on this like enormous estate with all these horses. You know? Right. You don't have horses in an apartment. So. <laughs> Not in an inner city apartment. You cannot own a horse. I'm sorry. So either, <laughs> even though he doesn't use the term mansion in Little Red Corvette, that is what I think a lot of the, the, the lyrics are meant to kind of imply that this woman lives in this grand estate somewhere out in the country. So, uh, but in this one, because it's now, we're, th- we're we're taking the approach that Apollonia is singing this to the kid or the prince or whomever, right? Pr- the character, um, it is meant to be more of like this first instance of him expressing status through through the ownership of property or a home, and it it totally fits. It it fits and it doesn't fit the film. Yeah. Both. It, it fits the her maybe idea of being attracted to not just him as a person, but also him as a status symbol and a rock star and what that represents to her. But at the same time, it doesn't fit because we've all seen the film. He lives with his parents right. um, and in the basement and it's and he's not a big star. He's about ready to get kicked out of First Ave um, by Billy because, you know, his music isn't reaching people anymore. You know? <laughs> so, right. He's a struggling artist. So yeah, it's it's just kind of a cool way and, and very very intriguing to me. But the, the you know of- when you're when you're falling for someone, you see the biggest version of them always. Sure. And then because she is in that infatuation stage, I think she, I think he's definitely like uh, he's a rock star to her. He's you know he's in a big in her head. He's in a much bigger place than he is in the world. I just wanted to. You made me realize, because now I'm thinking about all the dwellings in Prince songs, and maybe you'll do a series about <laughs> dwellings in Prince songs. Because I'm like, Nikki was in a friggin' castle. Yeah. Like, she took him to her castle. Right, and most of the time <laughs> it's the way, that's that way, where she is the one, the, the, the woman is the owner of these mansions, castles, and what we assume are estates. So, and I'm guessing that was her hotel, because who let you masturbate in their lobby? With a magazine, unless you own the hotel too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> for the most part, that's I'm pretty sure that's still illegal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but they can't call security on it because it's my hotel. Yeah, right? wait, I'm, <laughs> I'm going off topic. <laughs> okay, any other comments on the bridge before we move on? Okay, nope, I'm good. Okay, yeah, because the last couple of lines just reiterate a lot of the same thoughts about just being together and spending the night together and whatever that means. It does kind of imply that there's, you know, <clears throat> continues down the path of, of being a sexual attraction and physical and that there's going to, it's going to go there. It's going to lead to sex. But we kind of already assumed that throughout the, the rest of the song. But it's done still, again, so romantically. Like this is, 
This is one of the few songs of that era in that time where had I been allowed to own the album yet, I would have been able to play for my mom and she would have loved it. It's not it's not overt. It's it's the song romances you and it, it kind of walks you down this trail of infatuation. Yeah, there's no I want to fuck you so bad it hurts. You know? Right. There's Which he about. very easily could have done. Like it's not <laughs> it's not that that wasn't be, you know, within his repertoire. No, exactly. And it also isn't, and if you think of it like, oh, Prince was writing this for Apollonia, so maybe that's why it's toned down. Uh, no, the Vanity Six album came out before this, and right. that's raunchy <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> right. There's a lot of songs on there that are super raunchy, so can't can't throw that at me. Okay, so that is the bridge, and then we get to the basically the last verse of original lyrics. My favorite we- verse. Yeah, this is a good verse, and it's so fun to kind of sing along to, at least for me. To be around you is so all right. Your sheer perfection. Thank you. Drive me crazy. Drive me all night. Just don't break up the connection. And and really the way this, this verse is sung is the winning aspect of it to me. The, the lines are cool. I like the lines. But also just the way it's the sung as well. Mm-hmm. Um, really make it interesting and unique and fun to sing along to and just memorable overall. So tell me tell me what makes it fun for you. Okay, so just the way that Prince, and really this is a lot of the, what makes this verse cool is the way Prince sings it. Um, to be around you, so, oh, right. So, you know, he's like extending these these words in, in the lines to kind of um, accentuate what he's trying to say. And just, instead of just singing them straight, you know, and singing them very ordinary, he has to put his own spin on lines just don't break up the connection. You know, you got yeah. that kind of like really uh, funky way of singing that line. And he's acting a bit more intense in the in the way it's being. So it's not so it's not quite so sweet, I guess. Drive yeah. me crazy. Drive me all night. So he's really kind of going up and down on his register in, in yep. these lines. And of course, you get you get the really fun and kind of um, endearing thank you you know that's yeah it's <laughs> after he so says great. your sheer perfection and everybody knows that i mean it's i don't even think it's printed in the official lyrics that thank you it's not actually I right it's my just we name. all know that yeah it's so perfect and so playful yes and i think it it does a great job of establishing the conversational like what, what we've been talking about this whole time that apollonia is singing to him he's singing to her and this verse where she quote unquote interrupts by saying thank you really establishes he's singing this to her because she mm-hmm. responded right like yeah. that that way we know he's talking to her and telling her she's sheer perfection i i, I totally agree with what you're saying and, and just the way that he he manipulates the the way the words trip off of his mouth you know the the uh so and the your sheer perfection has a flirtiness to it that's almost you 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 can see his face kind of turn into that smirk 
you know, that, that very, you know, oh, we've yeah. all seen Prince's famous smirk, but that sort of, your ship effect, you can see the smirk happen when he says it. But what really, other than thank you, thank you is the thing that makes this verse for me. I, I love that thank you. It's, again, it's a sweetness to it. It's a niceness. It's a conversationalness. But the other thing that makes this verse for me, that makes it my favorite, is how dark the under vocal is when he says, drive me crazy, drive me all night. He goes into, he's got like his reg, regular register on top, but he very deliberately says, drive me, like that that very flat, even lower register, drive me crazy, drive me all night, is right underneath him singing it with the melody. And it's loud enough that you hear it. And it adds, again, it, it, it adds a little bit of darkness and mystery to it, which to me, this song continues to play with. It plays with it in the intro, like I said before, that sort of disoriented, like it feels like um, Alice falling down the rabbit hole. Mm. And then you get to, and, and it does it again at the end, and his sort of, that darkness that he says, drive me crazy, drive me all night, underneath his singing of the melody makes that sound so cool to me. Because it's just like, oh, there's there's a little bit more to this, this light, fun frolicking. The um, the version of him that says, drive me crazy, drive me all night, is the one that makes her get in the water with her clothes off and then <laughs> almost drives away. Like, it's that dick. It's that, yeah. it's that, that you know, the, the, the little scamp of Prince, if you will. Yeah. Um, that's present in even his flirtation. There's there's a little bit of a dark streak, a little bit of a mean streak, and I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean this that that verse, this verse that we're talking about, is to me much more indicative of like his earlier stuff. You know, when he's trying to sing a song about a woman and trying to express like that really uh, that really sexual draw that he has to. This this woman that he's you know the subject of whatever song that he's singing about, and it takes the song out of that you know PG sweetness that we mm-hmm. had up to this point, and turns it more into you know the quintessential Prince song, and and that but that's what I like because that's you know obviously I enjoy that I've always enjoyed that aspect of his songs and throwing those little pieces of of his personality into the music and into the, the delivery of the lines. And I just don't see this, like if this was, it was never really intended to be just Apollonia. It was always intended to be a duet. Right. So it's really cool because otherwise that, who's going to, who else is going to sing this verse, you know? Exactly. Way. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to be able to do it this way and make it this memorable. Can you imagine Apollonia singing these lines and then Prince saying, thank you? No. Absolutely not. I, and I've tried. I like I tried. I was like, because when when I learned that it was supposed to be on her album, I was like, I can't see it. I mean, you can and you can't. Like there, but you're right. Nobody else is gonna say it with that that edge. Um, I can hear Prince saying thank you. <laughs> I can hear Prince accepting the compliment. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I can't. But I can't hear Apollonia delivering it with that sort of. Uh, with, with with that that edge that makes her thank you sound like a blush. His thank you, had she sung it to him, would have been like, of course. Her thank you had a blush to it, and th- that makes it so endearing. 
Yeah. I, I, I can't hear Prince blushing is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a it, it takes me up to like the 90s, like in a lot of the live performances you see in the 90s when he's dancing around with Maite. I mean, they're they're basically having sex with their eyes. Right. <laughs> in all of those um, those live performances you see between the two of them. And I just see him saying something along those lines in one of those really kind of not ballads, but but still um, relationship or sex songs, attraction songs that he had around that time. You would, you can see him saying your sheer perfection and, you know, Maite or somebody else just kind of mouthing the word thank you. And it just it just totally fits with the image that he had in the early 90s and, and the kind of music he was making. So he wasn't really doing it as much with I mean I'm trying to think of other situations where you know like those in live performances around the 80s early 80s late 80s yes like when he had that with Cat during right. the, the Love Sexy and Sign of the Times tours he had that kind of similar playful you know cat and mouse again I'll use that analogy to talk about the the physical attraction he was expressing through movement and through lyrics and through um you know dance sequences where this would have made complete sense but up until then i really don't get a sense for this being a thing that he was doing on stage because most of the really sexual things that he was doing on stage he was doing to props you know like humping a bed or right you know going down um fireman's poles and stuff like that so the the back and forth between an actual female dancer you just don't you didn't see that much until like cat glover came onto the scene so then uh, after that verse we get more of the chorus i don't care where we go don't care what we do i don't care pretty baby just take me with you now you were paying attention to this and i didn't do they go back to the eyes or is it still don't care on this one if i'm remembering right they go back to the eyes Apollonia's voice gets so much more intense and plaintive when she's performing this. So Prince says, I don't care where we go. And it's very melodic. When we get to the not caring what we do, you hear Apollonia come in, don't care what we do. Like she's very, it's, it's this, she's at this point, it feels like she's crying out. And this is the part, too, where, like, the the parts where I think Apollonia was absolutely necessary were the thank you and this. And honestly, it might not even be Apollonia singing. It might be Lisa that I'm hearing kind of Or even, like, I don't even, I don't think Jill Jones has been credited for this, but to me it sounds like Jill Jones. Is it her? It might be. Um, She's not, yeah, she's not on any of the credits, but I don't know. I mean, Jill has got a very distinct voice, and I hear Jill, but doesn't mean it's her doesn't mean it's her i don't know well whoever it is that's 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 singing the apollonia part that's playing that (laughs) part in the sort of play that is this song takes it to such an urgent begging place that the performance of the chorus here almost starts to become a different song to me It, it it's it's um 
obviously with the re- the repetition of take me with you at the end, you know, just sort of over and over again till you get to that final uh is it won't you take me with you cuz there's yeah. like won't you honey darling there's all of these sort of these these pet names being employed which feel again like more of an entreatment like if if i if i butter you up uh, you know what do i have to do to get you to take me with you and then that long stretched out you at the end which of course terminates with the i i can't even hit the <laughs> That yeah, part, ooh, 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 I can't. Yeah, do like, but it's ever, just, we know but it gets so much more needy and and just shy of wanton, but uh, almost a little bit desperate. I think is the word that I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, I love the ending too. It's just with all of those lines, just singing it over, and each it's like each one is being sung in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the song ends, but repeating it in a unique way. And adding those embellishments with the ooh, ooh, ooh and uh, the, the stretched out you. Uh, and he it, did that thing again with his lower register coming out on top some. Because yeah. he, he sings a you right underneath his more melodic version of it. And right underneath the um, whoever's singing the female lead, there's that very even, flat, straight kind of dark sound. Which works nicely because then it takes us back into the outro. And then, man, those intro, the intro and outro music do so much to bookend this song kind of perfectly. Yeah, that's right. Because they bring back the the drum. And I, I hate I hate the radio edit. They, they fucking, they take it away. They, they take make it much shorter. And I don't understand why. Because this song is under four minutes already. Right. It's like, exactly. <laughs> Take out an extra ten seconds, and what does that what does that do? I mean, I'm I'm not a radio programmer, so I don't I don't get you know like whoa if we take ten seconds out of every song, we could fit X number of songs in a day and blah blah blah. But I don't know. I don't like I hate radio edits. <laughs> yeah, it 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 really kills it. And I think you know in particular with Prince songs because he he ended his songs certain ways for certain purposes. And we know that because he would give us radio edits when necessary. Uh-huh. Like that was that where he cut out the parts that he thought needed to be cut out. But like the way that this the way that this brings back the drum solo and the the sort of the playful synths again and then takes us right back into that bum 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 like when it and and there's another sound that I've it it sounds like space wind chimes is the yeah, best it's not the say, like water song. like water um ripples yeah like there's a and and all of that i think is important to continuing like the story that this builds in my head again not sure if it was the film that influenced the story or the story that the or the story of the song that influences how i see the film but the story of this song in my head it's important that the song ends someplace lighter and fresher than the very desperate needy pleading of the way the last chorus is sung Mm -hmm. and so that instrumentation coming back in and putting us back in the place of the the frolicking in the midst of your your infatuation feels right to me like that that feels like the way the song should should come down if it had ended with just the drums that would have been almost devastating if it had ended, you know, the way they do it, where they just sort of fade out before we even get to the drums, it feels incomplete. 
it needs to, for me, it needs to leave you feeling like they stay in love forever because that's what infatuation feels like. When you're infatuated, you know better, you know that you don't know, but it feels like you're going to be in love forever and you follow and chase that feeling. Yeah. If you're listening to this song in a vacuum, but we all know what song comes next. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> the first time you hear the album, <laughs> yeah, the first time you hear the album, I'm like, oh, this is such a nice, sweet <laughs> ending to this song. I mean, it's you know, it's new love. It's you know, the the really exciting infatuation part part of attraction where you know you just can't you just can't bear to be away from that person, and you're willing to follow them wherever they go and take me with you. the The title of the song really kind of tells you exactly what this is about take me with you i want to go with you wherever that is and the whole song is written and and performed in a way that really drives home that point that uh, this and it, its placement in the album too is great because it needs to be towards the beginning of the album if the album is intended to tell a story not every album that does but i think we all know purple rains intending to tell a story take me with you needs to be at the very very towards the very beginning because of, yeah, it of its true. of its discussion about infatuation and new um new love well we both agree it's not really so much about love as it is about just lust and and an attraction and i know i know we're probably close on time but real quick can we talk about how it occurs as a single yeah absolutely. as a single it's backed with baby i'm a star mm-hmm which to me is so friggin' perfect because it's when I think about the personality of the man, when I think about the personality of Prince, this one is sort of him being in love, air quotes, with somebody else. And baby, I'm a star is 100%. I'm in love with me and you need to be too. <laughs> yep. And I freaking love that. Um, and it's, you know, in the context of of the the relationship story that is told in the album and in the film, I think it works so well to have those two kind of sandwiched together as the expression of of, of Prince of or, or the kid is this sort of, you know, I, I'm just really, really into you. And then it turns around, it's like, here's why you should be really, really into me. Yeah. <laughs> two sides of the coin, right? Two exactly. Okay, so um, any other final thoughts, Julian, on "Take Me With You" before we wrap it up? No, I'm I'm actually like I'm I'm geeked that there was that we were able to have such a robust discussion on this song that has so few lyrics. The simplicity of the lyrics, I think, sort of it, it, it belies the the complexity of of what it of what this stage of a relationship looks like and feels like. And I think I think that's part of what makes it work. The fact that there's not a lot of poetry to get through. There's not a lot of metaphor to get through. There's just on the table. This is how I feel. I can't disguise it. Can't wrap it up in pretty prettier words. I just want to go where you go. Like if if you've never felt that, I feel sorry for you. And that's oh, that was personal anecdote. This song. <laughs> this song is one of my litmus tests for new relationships. If I'm on a date with a woman and I don't hear this song in my head at some point, she ain't it. Mm. I have, I have seriously like, if if we don't get there for sure by like the third date and I'm not hearing this song, I, 
I can't, we can't frolic. I can't frolic with you. So what's the point? This is that, like, you want to feel this way at least once. Yeah, it's the it's the cliche, the whole butterfly cliche. Like, you need to feel that, you know, right? right? I mean, it's in your in in your mind, that butterfly feeling is described perfectly in the song "Take Me With You." Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think we've probably gone through "Take Me With You" enough at this point. I will wrap it up now. So, Julian. Uh, how can people say hi to you or get a hold of you on social media? Oh, sure. Um, on the Book of Faces, you can find me just under my name, Julian Long. Uh, you can't see me, so look for the handsome, bald, black guy uh, with his eyes closed. That'll be that'll probably be my profile picture still when uh, when this hits air. On uh, on the Twitters, you can find me at Magnet for Awesome. Uh, that's Magnet numeral four Awesome, and. Um, I'm not currently recording my podcast, but there are out there throughout internet world back episodes of my podcast. I just be saying words and the previous show that I did with my uh, partner, Sean, uh, called the cold open. So be on the lookout. Who knows? I might start this. This has moved me. I might start recording some new ones soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So as always, it's been, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you on Julian. Um, Thank you so much for agreeing to talk about Take Me With You with me. More than my pleasure. I loved it. Great. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. This is a a song that I think a lot of people don't necessarily want to cover because it isn't as, you know, quote unquote deep song on the on the album or on the track listing for Purple Rain. But it is it was a single. It's an important song for the film. And it has a lot of value in Prince's catalog overall, I feel. So I wanted to have a guest. I'm glad I had you on it because somebody who feels passionate about this song is the perfect guest for any of my podcast episodes. So uh, once again, this has been the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram using the Press Rewind 75 handle. Also on the Book of Faces using the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast. Look me up there. And I would love to hear from anybody who's uh, enjoying these shows and enjoying the song in particular or have any other comments about Take Me With You. Do you have any personal anecdotes of your own that go along with this song? I'd love to hear them. And, um, and until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs>